Broadcasting from the outer reaches of the astral plane, it's Handkerchief Dynasty, your mom's favorite podcast. I am your secret professor, as always, joined by my good friend, the High Priest of Warlords Magic. Well, we're going to the Western Conference final, baby. Um, I can't decide whether we should even bother spending any time talking about uh, Game 5 against Calgary. I mean, it's in the books. We had plenty of days to bask in the glory. The basking can continue for a little while longer, but... Really, we should be packing up our audio gear and flying to Colorado into the Denver Satanic Airport to try and adjust our lungs a few days early, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, I forgot about that airport. That's right. That that airport is uh, like a gateway to hell. Exactly. Well, when, what's the greatest third act in any story, in any fiction? <sighs> a, battle, yeah, a battle against, an ultimate battle against good and evil. So the, the oh, Satanic yeah. Colorado Airport I, I would yeah. contend that that casts them as the satanic villain with uh, the yes. others on the side of uh, of righteousness and justice, ultimately. Always, always. I mean, they've yeah. proven that in the second round against Calgary. That like Calgary was like the mini boss. Now we face yeah. like the big, the big bad. Colorado's <laughs> the big bad in the fucking West, man. Like they, 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 this whole playoffs leading up to the playoffs, everyone was just like, man, like who, whoever the fuck thinks they're going to be able to beat fucking Colorado <laughs> should give their head a fucking shake, man. Like Colorado is like, the fucking like Soviet super soldier. Yeah. Like that's like entered the race and it's just like, well, but I was looking at the stats, you know, I mean, if we just go by playoff scoring, um, yeah. you know, like they, the Colorado avalanche have two players with 13 points, two players with 11, another player with 10, and then their sixth yeah. highest scorer has eight. They're t- one of those top two scores is Kale McCarr, which is interesting. We'll come back to that. But if you look at the same top six in scoring for the Oilers, you've got, McDavid and Dreisaitl with 26 each. Yeah. So, like, double. Eat any Either one of them matches the output of the other two top scorers on Colorado. And then yeah. with the other one, it's like they're doubling them up, you know? And then we got a Vander Kane with 15 points right behind. Zach Hyman with 12. Yeah. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with 11 points in 12 games. Number six, Evan Bouchard with eight points. So that's a hell of a lot of more scoring going on in the the top six high scoring players for both teams. So I think that um, it's significant. Yeah, I think it's time that the league sort of it's funny because like Edmonton was an underdog against Calgary and they're really an underdog against Colorado again, allegedly. But I don't know if they are really, or they should be. I mean, it's great that they're going to be thinking like that. And but I don't know, man. Edmonton well, I mean, is really, Colorado really, has really nice. rolling right now. Yeah, oh, but like who big cares? Time. Like big the time. Oilers absolutely destroyed the Calgary Flames, and they're really, really rolling right now. Like, oh yeah, they're getting contributions from up and down the lineup. It'll be interesting to see where like who goes in those final two forward spots, but whoever it is, the rest of the skaters for the Oilers and the goalie have all, you know, acquitted themselves admirably, as we would say. And then some. Do you remember what happened in the third round in 2006? Jeez Louise. We went through the Sharks and was it Anaheim in the third round? Yeah, we, the Oilers swept Anaheim in the third round. And it sort of feels like that's the momentum that's building here with this Oilers team. Mm. Like, it's not too hard to picture them just like rolling right through Colorado. 
like it probably maybe won't happen and i think everyone is really prepared for that but the oilers also are like absolutely destroying teams right now and connor mcdavid is like uh and leon dreisaitl like they've completely gone supernova both of them yeah like well it comes it comes down to to game to say they're peaking at the right time is like vastly underestimating what's going on with this Oilers team right now. At what know? point? At what point did we put them together five on five? It was Game Six against LA, right? It was, yeah. yeah so game. I feel like that's the point where the team Woodcroft and, and Connor and Dry and the rest of the team they like they they put on the ring of power. You know, they 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 combined into the giant super robot. Whatever metaphor you want to use, they like they pulled out their consumable item. There's like, oh man, there's this scroll here, and they open it up, and it like shines a bright fiery light in their eyes and they're like holy shit yes. beast mode you know like, berserker mode if i look into the future here and i look at like the two things like the two scenarios you know down the road picturing one of them is like nathan mckinnon winning the is it the lester b pearson trophy for the western conference whatever it is, is that the one where you get like a two thousand dollar scholarship to the u of a <laughs> yeah they give it to you they award it in the gym that's the best one um so it's like uh that's one side like nathan mckinnon winning that and going or the other side like or is it easier to believe Connor mcdavid winning it and really you know it's it's actually makes more sense in when you think about it to see Connor mcdavid with that thing at this point in where we are in time and space like if not now, like when? Like Nathan McKinnon's great and all, but like he's not Connor McDavid, like not even close. Kale McCarr is great, yep, but uh, he's not Leon Dreisaitl. Like you can't really. The Colorado Avalanche at the end of the day, like aren't the Edmonton Oilers. Like they don't have those guys and like the surrounding cast that's like with all their backstories, mm. like 10,000 year old Nuge uh hymen like there's just so much going on with this Oilers team right now like i'm not sure colorado like has much of a chance like the more i think about it Mm -hmm. like i could see the oilers winning this thing in like five games i mean the the thing right now is the 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 edmonton oilers are the uh quint like the kind of quintessential like team of the moment i mean all anyone that would discount their chances in the final four right now hasn't watched them in the last like let's say 10 games the last eight games because they've been playing like yeah overall like generally with with an exception here or there they've been playing fucking phenomenal hockey and there's so many players that are emerging and having this like emergent game building off each other i mean whoever's gonna go whoever whoever gets the duty on that top line with connor and dry you know it's 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 gonna be someone who's running pretty hot you know and, and woodcroft has shown he showed in the last game he's not afraid to go to the hot hand there he put hyman up on the top line you know everyone went on and on oh he broke up the best line in the playoffs but it's like yeah having a Kane on a second line with yamamoto and nuge like that's fine no matter what you're gonna have a killer second line basically you know and the ultimately. oilers it's not like the oilers like like the oilers have been extremely competitive and beat colorado in games like yeah we played them well in the regular season there's no real reason like it's it's easy to to think that colorado might be like woefully un, unprepared like no matter how prepared they get for facing this oilers team it's kind of easy to believe that they're going to be surprised like they're not 
because it just feels like that's the the tone of outside of Edmonton the tone surrounding the Oilers is like nobody really gets it like they, they don't all they all think they're still the inconsistent Oilers of like the regular season I mean they all still they have that kind of pedestrian like, like oh this is Connor and nothing else it's like no dude like it's anyone who says it's Connor and nothing else is like just not paying attention you know it's crazy like because I think it's so easy to say like oh one man team one man team but like Connor and Drag combined have both have 26 points <laughs> yeah it's crazy like he has exactly the same number of points as Connor it's like if you say um it's like one guy doing it but that one guy is like Superman or something like that and there's two of them you know yeah like Superman like, and then Superman 2 it's, it's like, like one of those video, shitty multiverse movies. Yeah, it's like video game numbers. Like so, when when people say like that's oh, a one man team, that's that's typically referring to a guy that like isn't the greatest in like the past fifty years, right? Well, so, it certainly certainly doesn't apply to a team where you know if we if we just even removed Connor and Dry from the equation, I'm pretty sure if we took the next six players we would have more points than Colorado has so far this year. Yeah. So if you just take the players besides those guys, we have as many points as like most playoff rosters have, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, the more I think about it, the more I think that the Oilers might just plow through Colorado. Like no, here's my question to you though. Cause I mean, one thing we have seen in the playoffs so far is, you know, the Oilers did lose game one in both rounds, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm wondering if, like there's an element where they take a little bit of time to upload the data to the matrix, you know, that like to, we've seen that from them in the regular season too. They kind of, they figure out, they, they take a little time to figure out teams. And then once they have them figured out, they uh, are like, they play much better, you know, well, once they're acclimated. Like, like game one of the King series, right. It was kind of like a write-off, right. They never got it figured out. Game one of the flame series. They did get it figured out, but they got it figured out too late. Like they came back from being down 6-2 to tie it up. But like the game was a complete circus, right? So they figured it out in game one of the second series. Just they figured it out too late. So I'm expecting yeah. in this third series. And then four straight series, wins. Yeah. yeah Plus they have, have a lot more time. Like figured out. They actually have a pretty like lengthy break to like watch a ton of video. So I'm pretty sure the video sessions for the Oilers will be like, oh, okay, yeah, these these players are good. These are their tendencies. You know, remember when you're on the ice with so-and-so to do this or have this on your mind. Meanwhile, in Colorado, they're showing them the video and like the coaches are all just like dejected. They have like a look on their faces of like all the editors and, and producers when they first screened Phantom Menace. They're like looking sideways and they're like, well, like what, what are we supposed to do with this footage? Yeah, is right. there something is there something you intend to happen after we study this and discuss it are we gonna be able to solve this problem because from what i what i can see we're we're staring down the barrel at catastrophe like i mean if you if like if if the avalanche players are looking at highlights of connor and dry right like they're just going to be fucking weeping tears of like sorrow right now like we're going to be in their heads like, if they watch if they watch any video on the oilers that really what they should do is just not show them anything well, it's really interesting too, like the fact this is going to be such a great series, like no matter just from a hockey standpoint, right? Because we're going to see McDavid and McKinnon like go head to head, like that's amazing. So do you think that in the Colorado room, they're legitimately thinking like, they're like, yeah, the Oilers have McDavid, but like we have McKinnon. Or do you think that's like ridiculous? Because it's ridiculous to, to make that comparison. People that compare McKinnon or McDavid to anybody it's mm. ridiculous, right? But if you yeah. have sort of the next best guy, 
it's reasonable to like you'd make that just because you like you have the next best guy so you would say things like oh i would rather have this guy just because like you have that already have that but do you think that's going on in the colorado room like they think that like their guy can go up against our guy kind of like lulling them into a false sense of like we got I this. mean, maybe, yeah, there's, there may be some lulling going on. I mean, anyone that yeah. thinks that, that there is a comparison, anyone think, I mean, any, there's lots of stars in, in the game and Nathan Kinnon's a fantastic player. He's like, definitely like a top, top, top player in the league. No question. Third best. Like a, elite level. Yeah. Top five for sure. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like Connor opened that scroll in game six, in yeah. the first round and, and that shit, totally. the cooldown on that shit is still months away. Like for all we know, like this could be the start of a new Connor too. Because he's really, you're right. Like the, the way the way he's been like using his speed to check and hit, and the way that inspires the rest of the team as well, and the spinoramas yeah. and the the doggedness. I mean, you know, he uh, let's let's make one thing straight. He's put up with like a ton of fucking like bullshit and liberties his whole career. Yeah, it's just like a nonstop fucking piss hurricane of piss and <laughs> like elbows and cheap shots and cross checks. And right, being pushed right. into the boards and being tripped yeah. and being like punched in the back of the head while you're on the ground. I mean, like yeah. he he's like he's the best player in the world playing better than he's ever played. So I just want to like recognize I think it's important to recognize like what it's taken to get him to this point. Um, but you know, I like our whole team. This fucking Zach Hyman scored in all five games in the oh, second man. round. All Insane. five games. That's all amazing. five games. I know. Evander Kane's been like a scoring machine. Bouchard's yeah. been really good. Our, our our entire defensive lineup has been playing like smart. Yeah. strong hockey you know goaltending's held up really really well um, yeah it's been like a, the more dramatic of the like it was so funny after that game where the you know the one came in from way far out and like nobody talks about the fact that we came back and won that game you know like, i know it was just like a non it was like a not everyone was way more focused on that goal and it's like I, I don't know where people's priorities are but last time i checked the goal of a sport game is to win the game right that's all that matters is the w right and we got like all we got all the guys going like really the only guys that aren't going are like uh cassian and maybe archibald right now but i could see both of them subbing out because like this is a good time to uh i mean what do you think there was there was i remember listening to rashad and gregor talking about like debating whether it made sense to bring in like uh they're not gonna haul away for like eight minutes a night yeah yeah but not for not for game one against colorado like it's gonna be cassian and archibald in the lineup and then if the Oilers need some juice, like, I don't know, game three, I think, is when you'd see those guys. So you give Cassian and Archibald a little more time to try and work well, it out? Well, the team's, the team's winning. I don't think, I mean, if the team is winning, I think Cassian played the like, playoffs, they played very, very few minutes last game. I know, but, I mean, the Oilers also really, like, wanted to win that game, and Connor was and Dry were, like, on a mission. So their ice time was, like, their fourth-line guys, right? So their ice time was fourth, really the, rolled yeah, but back. But Cassian, Cassian played two minutes, 48 seconds. Archibald played four minutes, 17. That's not even enough by like fourth line standards. Well, I just think that like those guys are going to be in the lineup on call, like for game one. They're not, this, this series about, isn't uh, going to open or like a Broussard? Yeah, I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. So you're still the mind dance with the one that brung you at this point, even if it's the, the, two, the, the two bottom fours. I mean, they are rolling basically three lines. Yeah, in the playoffs, if you win, you don't mess with the formula. You don't start taking guys out of the room and stuff like that. I don't think. 
I mean, I would just be very surprised if the series opened and the, on the broadcast they were like, we have two lineup substitutions tonight. Out of the lineup are, like, it wouldn't make sense to me. I'd be like, okay. Uh, okay. Like, it, it, it might happen in the series, but it's not going to happen in game one. I don't, I don't think. One thing that's been sort of noticeable, actually, our, our face-off percentage through the entire playoffs is actually not that bad, 47.2. I mean, it's not good. No, that's it was not abysmal good. against Calgary, but uh, you know, and Colorado is so they're ninth in playoff faceoff wins with 49.5. We're 13th, but the thing is, when you look at all the teams near the top, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Carolina is the first one that's still in it. They got a 54.6 percentage on the faceoff dot in the playoffs so far. That could be trouble. Panthers, Stars, all out of it. Flames, Blues, just eliminated Predators. Yeah. I mean, there's only four teams left, and the Rangers are one of them. They have the dead last face face off win percentage of 42.2. And mm-hmm. the Lightning are right ahead of them with 45.3. So we're in the presence of greatness, at least with our, our shitty playoff uh, face-off percentage. Um, but you know, whatever. I, I'm I'm not super worried. I'm not super worried about it at all. Um, I because yeah, I think ultimately at this point it's it's like we're if we're gonna have to see the Colorado Avalanche find a way to slow our these guys down, see if they can do that. I mean, the thing yeah. is, while doing that, they also played the Oilers in general in that second round series played fantastic defense against the Flames, and they played them like really smart and really hard. So if they, if they bring that same attitude, that same stick to itiveness, uh, like against Colorado, I mean, yeah, there there'll be a challenge. I definitely don't think we should under underestimate them but i agree with you that the the possibility of us actually looking a little bit better than most people giving us credit for um is is definitely there it's like sitting sitting there on a big altar in the cavern we just explored it's like a floating orb of magic i just go the way just go there and pick it up i mean look at what mcdavid and dry saddle and this oilers team have done in the playoffs like it's time for us and the world at large to start like um recognizing that this team isn't necessarily like like super underdogs this is like greatness they're really you know special I mean? they're, like, they're really like special once in a right lifetime now. thing like records are being completely shattered by this team yeah it's, it's crazy you know no, like, the, like like records that have stood for a very very long time i mean the, it's redefining playoff scoring for this for this generation right now yeah with these two absolutely guys. Like, I don't know what the record for points, NHL record for points in the playoffs is. I mean, I'm sure it's Gretzky. Yeah, probably, right? Maybe Lemieux. Gotta be Gretzky. Oh, it's got, I'm sure it's Gretzky. Okay, yeah, so Gretzky, 47. Gretzky had 47 points in 84 to 85. Lemieux had 44 in 90, 91, 91. And that's Gretzky, Gretzky, Gretzky. <laughs> so Gretzky has the next three and then Paul Coffey with 37 I mean Paul Coffey is probably like looking over his shoulder right now being like well Connor and Dry each have 26 points halfway through the playoffs well they're both on pace right to they're to both on pace it. to break Gretzky's all-time fucking I mean knock on wood let's not let's not put too much like pressure on the boys but how often has that happened you know yeah exactly like uh, it's yeah it's it's it, we're so lucky we're so lucky to get to watch this hockey and be would be the ones cheering for the team and to have been the ones cheering for the team through thick and thin 
because really like what the second round taught me was like how to be a hockey fan and like handle it how, how, to, how to handle the postseason intensity when we're doing so well so i think i'm going to enjoy the third round 10 times more than i enjoyed the second round first round was pretty fun too second round man threw me for a loop thank god they they've won four in a row in convincing fashion and like taught me to believe again yeah it was crazy it was crazy um any comment on the famous uh jay woodcroft you know waiting for uh sutter to come shake his hand that's now the like favored meme amongst all of uh christendom on the internet as well as like uh, all non-christendom i don't want to make this sort of a uh secular uh, sectarian issue yeah it was really crazy i noticed it when i was watching the broadcast too and i was like holy smokes like who does <laughs> who does that well, I think, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's interesting because, like, the energy that Jay Woodcroft brings, yeah, like, he's, he's an extremely, energy. he's a very, well, he's an extremely intelligent, extremely kind, and I think considerate, and he, like, understands a lot, a lot of things about psychology, and just, like, you know, he's a, he's yeah. a very, but he also has a lot of that kind of old school class as well, tons of class, yeah. right, but along yeah. with that, he definitely has an alpha vibe where he's like, you know what, like I'm been working really hard to get here. Like he's not a wilting lily in any sense at all. Like it's he's he's no. the guy he's the guy that's been working his ass off to get to this point and believes in himself. And that's probably like one of the components to his success. Yeah, so absolutely. like I'm all for guys with alpha energy who also have humility and are like supportive of people around them, you know, like that's actually yeah, like that's actually the positive side of masculinity. Yeah. And so actually, now that we've used uh, the word of the day masculinity, I did want to say, um, I gave a brief, we, we, we touched on how to sing La Bamba, right. but we, we didn't talk about one thing that helps when you're singing a song is to understand what the fuck that song is about. You're right. Um, so I think it's important um, to just brief, briefly touch on the meaning and themes of the song La Bamba for Great those idea. who have not actually... Uh, you know, sung it before. They were never in a high school Spanish class. I did a little poll here. 88.9% of people said they did not know what the lyrics to La Bamba mean. So here we go, yeah. everybody. Here we go. Um, okay, so La Bamba. What is La Bamba? Let's just, let's just get going here. Para, para, bala, la Bamba. You say that twice to start. Mm -hmm. That's, that translates as to dance the Bamba. It also kind of like implies like how, someone is telling you how to dance, how to do something, what is required to do something. So to dance La Bamba, se necesito una poca de gracia. One needs a bit of grace. Un poca de gracia se necesita. So yeah. to, to dance La Bamba, you need a little bit of grace to dance yeah. this song I'm telling you about. A bit of grace for you, for me, for you. Um, Una poca de grasa por ti, por si, por ti, ya. Yariba, yariba, arriba just means now come on, let's go. Come on, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Por ti seré, por ti seré, por ti seré, por ti seré. That's for you I'll be, for you I'll be, for you I'll be. Okay. So it's really just the first verse is really ultimately just, hey, I'm teaching you a new song. It requires a little bit of grace to, to dance it. Let's all get together and dance this shit ultimately. 
second second uh verse which is the last one we'll analyze i feel i feel has a lot of very interesting themes okay Yo no soy marinero. Yeah, I got no. I am not a sailor. Okay. Okay. I am not a sailor. Is the first line of the second of the of the second stanza. Okay. Yo no soy marinero. Soy capitán. Soy capitán. Soy capitán. Okay. I'm a captain. I'm not a sailor. I'm a captain. Right. Right. Of course. That's what Jay Woodcroft was saying to himself when he went out and stood on the ice with his hand on his hip. You know, Yeah. he's not he's not no sailor. He's a captain. Okay, he's a leader. He's the man. Mm -hmm. This is a song about kind of like being the man, not in a strictly like gender uh, specific sense, but, you know, like being being the one to have the grace and, you know, the dignity and the, the, the jovial kind of social energy to get everyone together to learn a new dance. Right. And make them all feel like, hey, we're not sailors. We're all we're all fucking captains tonight, baby. Right. So that's what La Bamba is all about. So think of that while singing La Bamba after the next Oilers win, which I think will be coming sooner than uh, we might expect. I had no idea that song was so nautical in nature. It's extremely nautical in nature. Yeah, extremely. Um, we had a couple of questions from Twitter. You already answered one on the thread here. Remember to follow us on Twitter at handkerchiefdy1 and uh, the High Priest of Oilers Magic is at High Priest Oil. Big fan of your account. Your account kind of has a very like lyrical, um, you know, let's document the kind of uh, grim, declining, deindustrialized West vibe. You know? <laughs> My account? <laughs> While also having a nostalgia for, you know, the roaring 80s. Um, we had uh, Snowy Robert at Dr. Robert wants us to wax poetic about the glorious Wax Fang, wax fang album, La La Land, as well as who's who among our dark horse condors. Um, I'll just say, you know, when, when a vis-a-vis Wax Fang and their album La La Land, you know, rock and roll is the work of the devil. And uh, like the Colorado Avalanche, it must be destroyed. So... Um, as much as I enjoy that album, uh, as much as I respect its uh, kind of artistic integrity, its exploration of uh, various musical styles and themes, uh, including, you know, really bare bones, uh, send a letter home to your mother and tell her that you heard a really great rock song today. You got any thoughts on uh, Wax Fang, High Priest? Wax Fang? Never heard of Wax Fang. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah. You, you know this band, Wax Fang? I mean, I do now. Had you heard about them before? Well, as soon as I heard about them on Twitter, I claimed in a faculty meeting at the Secret University that I was actually had been working on a research project that included them for the last uh, eight years. So I've claimed to be the world's foremost expert is ultimately what I'm saying. I'm reading about them right now. They sound, they sound pretty good to me. I mean, when it comes to Dark Horse Condors, I mean, I think, you know, Holloway could get a taste. You know, Holloway, he's like- I think he'll get a taste cool... too, but not in great, great, or great yeah, one. I, in game one, yeah, I think it could come later. I call them grids, actually. Now, didn't Broberg got some time already this year, at least once or twice, didn't he? Yeah, in grade four and five, I think of the LA series. Yeah, I mean, we do have options there, but really, like that's not our top nine is so good. You're kind of just rearranging the drapes when it comes to the extra two forwards, two yeah, or three forwards, and the defensive core. You know. People don't talk about it a lot other than the people that bring it up and say people don't talk about it. You know, Kulak went really deep last year. You know, um, Keith is, is someone who has a ton of playoff experience. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, there's, I mean, if we can shut down Makar, the thing is we did a really good job of shutting down all of, all, of, 
all of. Like he's uh, not a shutdown defenseman, you know. No, I know, but we did such a good job of shutting down the Calgary defense. Like they really didn't get that involved in the offense in the last series. So if we can kind of, I feel like I feel like they actually got the perfect progression of opponents because I feel like the game that worked against Calgary has a really good chance of succeeding as well against Colorado. So if they if the Oilers do have some early momentum in this series, it might come down to the style they've acclimated to. You know, the 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 Borg switching uh, the like frequency of their like shields. Yeah, we like yeah. found the we found the frequency, and that same frequency might work for the next opponent. Yeah, you're right. I like it. You're right. Yeah, man. Who's your uh, dream matchup? If the Oilers were to get through this round, who would you want them to face in the Stanley Cup of the remaining Eastern Conference teams? I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone other than Tampa is going to be the finalist in the East. So, but if you could I, pick. I, I can't even pick because like it's the cognitive dis- dissonance. It's like it's like I'm, I've been having dreams about the Tampa Bay Lightning because my subconscious is trying to like show me the worst case scenario yeah, so that right. so that I can become like used to it. And when I wake up, I'm like, I realize, oh, that didn't happen. It's not that bad, you know, and then to have that recent experience of having gone through the worst case scenario. So like in all my nightmares, it's always the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you ever uh, think about the Oilers playing Carolina for the Stanley Cup again? Not really, because it's, I mean, they're completely different teams. There's, there's all, there's like, not only is there no one from that time, there's like no one from that time in the organization, really, still. Yeah, there is. Rob Brindamore is the coach. Oh, I mean, in the Edmonton side. Oh, in the Edmonton side. And plus, like, I just don't, I don't want to well, deal Nuge. with like the Ethan Bear people. Nuge was, what do you mean, Nuge? Was he on the team in 2006? What are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Nuge hasn't been around that long, brother. Okay. Like, uh, was that two years away from Nuge or something like that? No, I'm pretty sure what happened was we tanked. Did we tank the very next year and get last over last overall in Taylor Hall? Yeah, that could have been that. And then Nuge would have been, uh, I guess, the year after that or something. Yeah, like right, that. That's it's right. ancient history now. Um, no, because I think because we got Eberle, I think the uh, with the pick that off season but he didn't matriculate for a little while. Um, I mean, honestly, we've got a such a, we've got a better team than we had in 06. Are you kidding me? Like, oh, it's obviously. like, it's, it's like not even, I mean, that was an not amazing team, but it was, was a team a led by like Chris Pronger, plus yeah. like a bunch of players playing like pretty good. And, and they really never hot got hot. I mean, they fell, they fell into the playoffs because Vancouver lost. Like they weren't crushing it on their way to the playoffs, right? Like the Oilers have been one of the best teams in the NHL from like the last 25 games of the season up to now, right? Maybe the best team, I think. Um, how do you view uh, the like matchup when you look at uh, the two teams? Like, is there anything that stands out to you? No, not really. I think it's going to be like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be like a really, really great series. Like, I think it has potential to be one of the best series. But I also think it could be over in like five games. Yeah, I don't know. I think the teams match up really well. There's a lot of like one-on-one matchups, I guess. Like, um, I'm kind of interested to see Kemper how... versus Smith. Kemper versus Smith, Kane versus Kadri. Uh, I mean, this is the interesting thing about Kemper versus Smith because Darcy Kemper actually has a lower goals against average of 2.44 to Smith's 2.70. But Smith yeah. has a save percentage of 927. 
whereas Crazy. Kansas percentage is 904. Yeah. You know, like of the, yeah, of the goalies, Darcy of the goalies, Camper doesn't scare me. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the, it was Kadri versus Kane. Yeah. Do they have any history? I feel like Kane always plays better when he, he's playing in like his old divisional foes. Like he always seemed to play well in California and would always yeah. be a little more like uh, a little more involved, shall we say. Yeah. I don't know if they have a lot of history, but Kadri is a very good player and he I mean, he's not no Evander Kane, but he plays a similar game to Evander Kane, and he plays it really well. Like, he's, I think, of all the possible pests that we've had to run into so far, he's the most uh, kind of dependable and uh, maybe dangerous right now. Like, I don't think... I mean, Matthew Kachuk was there for one game and then he kind of faded away, but Kadri plays uh, a different game. Like, he really plays on the edge. And Kachuk, for as much as he likes to talk about playing on the edge, I don't think he really plays on the edge anymore. I think he's just kind of like a doofus, you know? Kadri's also a center, which brings a bit of a different dimension and, like, a little more like little more range to, like, what he can yeah. possibly do. Yes, you know? totally. So much more all over the ice. You know, he's a good player. I mean, he's got 10 points, I think. Yeah, well, he's um, Ten games. a player, a player that can um, make things happen on the ice, one way or another, in a certain way. So I'm excited to see. But again, like the Oilers have just been like it hasn't even. There's like nothing that you can throw at this team right now, seemingly that is slowing them down. Like it feels well, like, and and with a strong defensive play, like I, I think if they if they have the same commitment to defense against Colorado. Yeah, I don't think that Colorado is going to win the the race to score more goals. Because like, yeah, the, the how do you stop them exactly? Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to really think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you wouldn't be the first commentator to broach the subject. Um, I mean, I think it's final four. So you make it to the final four, you know, by definition, you got a pretty good chance. All the teams in the final four uh, you know, regardless of whether it's the Rangers or um, Carolina, like they're all going to be good teams. I don't think any of them have the players the Oilers have right now uh, playing at the level they're playing right now. Probably because now. if they did, I'd be hearing more about it. Um, and I'm not. I mean, really, you like look at you like look at fucking playoff scoring after Drysaddle and McDavid, and it's just prosaic. It's like yeah, totally. Like two guys tied with sixteen. Cooch has fifteen. Kane has fifteen. So you know, nice. He's on our team. Fucking Goudreau has fourteen. He's not even in the fucking playoffs anymore. Uh, like, like the top ten in scoring at number ten right now is David Perron with thirteen points, just eliminated. Meanwhile, we have the Oilers have two guys with double that. That's double crazy. Double Connor McDavid's plus nineteen. Plus 19 in the playoffs. Connor's got a pretty yeah. good face-off percentage right now, 51% in the playoffs. That's not bad. You know, I think even bad. with the, the emergent uh, talents of Ryan McLeod on our depth line, on that third line, this is kind of where he most likely is slotted in. It's great. He's, he's good at five-on-five, five, smart player. He can make plays. You're, you predicted he was going to score a really important goal at some point. I happened. think he will. I think he will. 
Bouchard come, score, has scored some really important close. goals. Oh, some huge goals. Bouchard huge uh, goals. reaching the 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 triggering all of his he's triggered all of his bonuses now. Like literally all the bonuses he signed when he was when he signed the contract, being like, okay, well, if I do all these crazy things that are really good, and then I get this many points in the playoffs or whatever, this many goals, you can give me a little more. And they was just like, sure. Like if you do that, gladly. Yeah. And then that's exactly what happened. Two rounds in, we're, we're not even, we're halfway through the potential entire run if we go all the way. If we go the distance, which, I don't know. It, it, the only thing that could hurt us right now is if they don't show up early and just uh, like sit in their rooms with oxygen, oxygen tanks for two, two full days before they play. Yeah, it's just like so hard to imagine that happening at this point though. You know? Like I think they're like there. They're past the point of coming out slow and if they do come out slow i'm i'm sort of maybe it's more that i'm not worried that they'll keep playing like that you know like i don't think that's going to be the problem like they just like well, yeah. won't well, they're in the, the third the, round like they've showed up you know they've oh, showed yeah. up for the playoffs i mean and like in the first round first round was such a good education on like the come come backedness you know I, I totally had complete confidence they were winning games six six and seven but not not everyone did a lot of people were really really worried at that point you know um they've lost game one twice in a row now so i think they probably will have an increased appreciation for the potential advantage of winning the first game yeah so i definitely expect them to come out strong they have a little bit of extra rest it'll be interesting to see if like they can they can reach a like level of intensity at puck drop on wednesday it actually starts at a reasonable time doesn't it start at like 5 30 or uh, uh i think it starts at six yeah yeah in denver yeah they shouldn't even fly into the satanic airport they should just do it like a charter like uh like get get together with some like peeps evangelical types or whatever doing like a mission and then like land outside of town and then take like a big bus that reads mcjesus saves and like giant letters across the, the side of it because like i mean if people if people watching this oilers performance are not uh if their faith in the almighty is not buttressed i ask oh why not if you are not entertained i ask why not if you are being a doom gloomy fucking like weirdo you know trying to be super negative somehow still when this shit is going on the oilers going to this to the western conference final with their two best players on fucking beast mode and the rest of the yeah. team you know, a ton like four or five other top players in the top nine just just kicking all kinds of ass and the whole yeah. team playing well and pulling on the rope. I mean, how can you not be happy right now? I know. It's crazy. It's such a gift. It's like we get four more hockey games at least. You know, it's like June. It's amazing. Nobody's watching hockey anymore except us. Like really like the only the only potential downside or risk is is being too effusive in your smugness at work the next day with your colleagues you know who may perhaps cheer for another team yeah i mean you really have to absolutely you kind of have to not you have to be magnanimous you have to be magnanimous that's what i was looking for yeah yeah it's pretty great these are like the dog days like we're that's exactly where you want to be pretty satisfied Everything exactly where feels. you want to be heading into round three with your potential opponent rightfully terrified of what's about to happen yeah um i think so last question i'll just ask you about Jesse pull because he's such a big topic amongst uh the kind of like uh 
discourse out there. Yeah. Um, I think he's kind of, you know, he looked, he's looked, he looked pretty good in the last couple of games. Yeah, he looks he's, okay. He brings chaos. He scares people. He hit five on five. He, he turns pucks over and I think he keeps the puck going in the right way for you the most what? part, which I enjoy to see, but you know, he's maybe a little snake bit struggling right now. Offensively. He had a goal. So that was yeah. nice. I mean, he's just a kid as well. You know what I mean? Like this is the farthest he's ever been in totally. the playoffs. So like, totally. what are you going to do? Bring in another kid who has even less experience and expect him to be better? Like, uh, it doesn't really, or like move him into a place where he can't do anything. And then, you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? What do you expect? I don't know. There's some guys that like, this is how you get playoff experience, right? Like look at Yamo the first couple of times he was in the playoffs. He didn't really know what was up. He couldn't True. like, like look at, most players that are in the playoffs for the very first time right like yeah totally they, they don't do a whole lot it's True. the first time they've done it you're you're never you know things take time right like you so i don't know i think i think in general he's received like a, a little too much heat than i'm comfortable with just because it's just yeah no, it's just, it's, it's exactly like for a like a, a heterosexual female usually the first time they have sex it's not the best you know yeah, it's like some exactly, things in life right? require like a little bit of finesse, like learning things, making knowing how to be comfortable in the moment. Yes, absolutely. Know, open, but not you know too open. The right the right level of openness. Yeah, exactly. And like 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 you said, like he scored a goal, like a huge goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't know, he makes things happen when he's out there. I always yeah, he's in my top nine in the third round without absolutely, a doubt. Yeah. absolutely is. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, final question. What do you what would you like to see Bouchard re-sign to this offseason based on uh, what we've seen so far? Or is it uh is it do you want to pass in pass? Know, like how much is he making right now for a year? Uh, like some some bullshit, some entry level shit that's like not commensurate with his uh, what his contribution is. So his is. contract's coming up, right? Exactly. Yeah. So Evan Bouchard. So you're asking um, how much should he get paid? Well, no, for actually, a his year? contract. No, his contract uh, will go one more year. Okay. At eight hundred thousand, eight hundred and sixty-three thousand. So he's making nothing. Yeah. Right. And he's going to be an RFA. So what they're going to probably try and do is sign him to a nice, juicy, long-term deal to try and keep the number low. You know, like Oscar Kleffbaum style. So I would sign him to like. Um, four years right for uh, like 8.25 8.25 yeah i don't know man don't ask wow. me like is that not good it's like two million dollars a year or something like that is that not a lot of money oh you mean no oh, two million dollars a year yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant eight per year. I got really no, no. It's four years for eight point two five million dollars. I mean, that's a bridge deal for sure. Might be a bridge too far or not far yeah, enough. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I say I say resign him to the full eight years. Enough. Full eight years at like four to five if he'll take it, and if not, offer him a little bit more. That's my that's my perspective on the uh, Bouchard extension because like this guy, who knows where his ceiling is going to end up? You know. A lot of people saying Keith has done it a lot to like help him grow his game. Do you think that's legit or is that just propaganda? 
Um, it's probably legitimate, right? If he's like Duncan Keith is. Uh, he's a pretty good defenseman. Like he has maybe not anymore. He's not what he once was, but he's still pretty good. And I, I imagine he like, there's a lot of things he can teach a young defenseman, right? Yeah. So only makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts for uh, the people, the wildlife, the plant life listening? No, I have no more final thoughts. Okay. It's very late. Let's I'm just tired. leave it there then. It's very late. Um, you know, if we leave it here, this is a, a kind of a wild wildlife area. So I think the podcast recording will just be like chewed up by some kind of beast or like just kind of disfigured enough to be like useless to anyone that comes across it. To the listeners out there, please follow us on Twitter uh, at Handkerchief1 and at High Priest Oil. Um, and if anyone asks you about the Handkerchief Dynasty podcast, you know, just uh, give them a furtive glance uh open up your eyes you know look give them a very stern kind of earnest look and say we don't talk about that anymore so we gotta shut this down um so but you know look forward to the third round it's a fun time it's a beautiful thing to be alive and embrace it um and thanks for listening and uh thanks for talking brother i'll uh catch you very very soon i'm sure okay i'll catch you soon peace out bye-bye